This episode is brought to you by MPB. Get cash for the kit you're not using or trade it in for the gear you want at mpb.com. Hey folks, in this interview, it's all about food photography with Calvin Hu. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, we have something delicious for you guys. Someone who knows their way around uh, the camera as well as how to aim that camera at food and other subjects. We're gonna dive into that and, uh, and, and maybe get some nuggets of learning around how to improve our own food photography. Calvin, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? It's going good. I'm super excited to be here. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's honestly a pleasure and an honor to be <laughs> on this podcast. So, yeah, this is, well, it's my honor to have you on because it's you know you and I uh, we literally just met through the through the Adobe folks, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. The the whole Adobe Rising Stars program, um, but we have a mutual acquaintance in common, um, Aaron, right? Aaron Ng, who's been on the podcast, who's also you know, a, a very well-known San Francisco-based food photographer, right? Yeah, Aaron and Aaron and I go way back. We went to high school together. We went to college together. And honestly, she's, yeah, she's one of the reasons that I got into food photography, just sort of following her footsteps and watching her Instagram thrive and her love of food photography sort of come out of her college. Yeah, I so, love it. I love it. You know, I I was reading your bio and it's fascinating how you're, you have a music background and music in your background in this shot, right? So you have a music. The piano I was just practicing on. (laughs) The keys are still warm. So that, you know, I I haven't seen that just, I mean, obviously two creative pursuits, photography and music. Do they, are they, do they? Do you find commonality between the two, and how does that work? In you know, kind of in the world of someone who's who's in both and understands both worlds. Yeah, I think for myself, I find um, food photography as sort of an escape from piano. I think I, be, being in grad school for piano performance, I spend so many hours of the day just slaving away at the piano, practicing pieces, rehearsing with with people, and. Yeah, food photography is just one of those things that takes me completely out of the music element, and I'm able to have good food with people yeah, <laughs> and take photos. Um, but yeah, in, in all honesty, though, there is some sort of over overlap. I think in the way that you could approach photography and music, um, mm-hmm. in some sense, you know, you're if I'm learning a new work or new piece and I'm going to take a picture of something, um, there's some sense of knowing what you want to say with the music or the photograph, knowing how you want your audience to feel once they see the photograph or hear the music. There's a lot of overlap in structuring that and sort of laying that out, laying the foundation of those aspects out. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm super curious about how all that works because just the – you know, I, I'm not a musician, but I enjoy all genres or not all genres, many genres of music I enjoy, right? And, and you know, and you're absolutely right. Much like cinematography, the, the editor or the cutter of, this, of a cinematography or cine, a cinematic piece 
kind of has control over the viewer's emotions, right? And you can guide them in a certain way by the way you cut the film and the music choices and, you know, all in the, the color grading and all that. And then in music, I, I feel the same way. Like some songs, you know, will imprint in my memory, you know, and t as soon as I hear the first couple of notes, I'm taken back to a different part of my childhood or my life or some significant event and or just listening to a new track or a new song that some artist put out, you can instantly have the emotion that they're trying to convey in that piece. And I'm curious how, as a musician and a photographer, how does that translate in that kind of storytelling and emotional layer? How does that translate over to food photography? Are you telling stories with food photography or is it more of let's capture this moment and bring the viewer back to this moment with me? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. Um, I think, so just a little bit of background, I'm getting my doctorate in piano performance, mm -hmm. sort of specializing in like classical piano. Um, and I think there's some interesting overlap in that particular genre, because if you talk about classical pieces by Beethoven or by Bach or by Brahms, these are not necessarily new. Um, these are pieces that have been played for hundreds of years, recorded by like thousands of artists. And so when you're approaching it, you know, you have to think, what what am I bringing to the table? Like, what am I doing that's different? Um, but also at seeing this from like a historical standpoint, like, you know, what's the purpose of this piece? And I think in some way it sort of relates to food as well. It's like if I take a picture of mac and cheese or ice cream, it's not going to be the newest thing. Like there are plenty of pictures of ice cream and mac and cheese out there. But what can I do as a photographer or as an artist that is different or that brings the audience back to, yeah, back to a certain place for, for them, for themselves, maybe a nostalgic place, or maybe I want to bring them to a new place that they are intrigued to go. Um, so I think there, in some ways, it's really interesting how the two sort of find each other and have a lot of commonality. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I'm curious, like from your, like personally, do you, like I, I mentioned before, like certain music pieces will transport me in time to different places or, or evoke certain emotions mm -hmm. when you're, does that translate like for you? Cause you're, I, I feel like you're unique or, or at least very, you know, there, there aren't many Calvin Booths out there that, that is, you know, a, a pianist or virtuoso on the keyboard. And then also, you know, has, has the, the creative, the other creative side with pixels and cameras and lenses and light and all that. Do they overlap? Like, do you, like when you're performing, do you think of different food or when you're shooting, do you have certain music in your head when you're shooting? Are these worlds overlapping or are they mutually exclusive? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. <laughs> I, think, I think it's, there might be some overlap when I'm thinking about mood. Um, mm -hmm. I think if I'm, if I'm playing a piece at the piano, um, there are certain words and adjectives and almost like color schemes or color, color palettes that come to, to mind. If I am playing a piece that is, um, dark and moody, it might be rich, you know, purples and blues. And I might be thinking words like majestic. Um, and that actually might translate sometimes when I'm taking photos too. Like I'm thinking a certain color scheme or certain adjectives that I want the person who's seeing the photograph to feel. But mm -hmm. I don't know if I have ever played a piece of music and necessarily 
thought about food <laughs> as I'm performing. Yeah, I wonder, you know yeah. Yeah. You know what? I might have to try to work that into the creative process and see how it plays out because that would be super interesting. Um, yeah, right. Wouldn't it like to like to have one of your pieces? And I don't know, this may be completely ludicrous. But you know, and the, again, this is coming from, uh, you know, someone who's not a musician, right? So th this is where the, my curiosity is coming from, like just the and how the brain works, right? So can can a visual stimulus or an, an oral stimulus like audio trigger like taste stimulus. Like if you hear something, do you think of like, you know, you can think of a bad memory or a good memory or a certain like Christmas. This, this smell reminds me of, you know, grandma's cooking or something like that. So those things can trigger, but can, can a song trigger, you know, to make you feel like, oh man, I really need some ramen noodles right now right because this particular song is is hitting those particular chords i wonder you know i don't know if that's answerable or not yeah i yeah i i think i um am definitely not a scientist by any means like i don't yeah, know if I, yeah. there's, there's no legitimate <laughs> science behind this but i can see that being i can see that being a thing like if you know you hear things that remind you of home or thanksgiving and that triggering you know the feeling almost of, of wanting to go back and eat a certain food. Um, but yeah, I don't know about the science about hearing the, about between the senses, like hearing something and then being able to almost taste it or want to taste it. Yeah. But yeah. I, it's a good science experiment. Yeah. Maybe that might have to be a good future project, like seeing if I can actually make that happen, like within the audience. Um, yeah. And yeah. If maybe even the food that I want them to eat is the food that they'll, end up thinking about eating or mm -hmm. maybe we'll just go off the rails and, and pick a completely different food. So I got to think there's got to be some science behind that. Cause you know, hearing, hearing the taste, right. Can you hear taste and, and can yeah. it trigger? Yeah. That, and you're the perfect person to ask. So I was like, Oh God, can I get Calvin on here? I can ask him these questions. Um, so that said, so again, with, with you playing, you, it's kind of a three legged race and you're running with, with your music career as well as your photo the photography side of what you do. Uh, is there, does one have more weight than the other? You know, and maybe you answered the question already by saying you're pursuing your doctorate, uh, you know, on the music side. So clearly, I mean, in terms of expense and time expenditure, that may outweigh the other side. But if you were on a desert island and you had to choose, you're like, hey, Calvin, you're going to do <laughs> photography or you're going to play music. You can't do both. What I know it's going to be a hard choice, but could you choose? Honestly, it's... It, it honestly would depend on what headspace I'm in because on yeah. certain days you're like, I, I want to do food, food photography. This is like my passion. And on other days it's like, no, sorry, music is, music is taking the cake. So <laughs> it, it would just have to depend on what mood I'm in. Um, but honestly, I could see it going either way. I think if you were to ask me in this very moment, I might pick food photography just because it's what headspace I'm in. <laughs> it's what yeah. I'm very passionate about at the moment. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's like choosing, it's, it's like asking which, which child do you love more? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's too hard um, to pick. Yeah, it is. But, you know, some parents will tell you publicly the, the correct answer is, oh, it's too hard. But internally, they always have a favorite kid, you know? <laughs> That's true. That is true. I'm sure it also depends on the day for them as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it depends on the day. Um, so switching gears a little bit. 
I want to talk about gear in in just that side of the world, and you know, in the in the food photography world specifically, the you know, there's the. There's the idea of minimalism, right? Some photographers are saying, you know what? I'm just shooting everything with my iPhone. I'm going to maximize that and process it and share it online. And everybody's happy. I have gazillions of followers that were generated just from content I've created from my iPhone. And then the other side are more commercial people that are setting up lights and, you know, going, going the extra mile. Again, you know, much like my unanswerable question about music or photography, uh, the word or is kind of the foil in that, right? It can be, obviously it can be and, but in that world, in that world, is, is there, like, where do you fall in there? Are you the minimalist photographer where you're going to shoot with your iPhone and be done? And, or, you know, is a, is a kind of a commercial proposition for you? I think for myself, it's a, again, a little bit of both, but I definitely lean towards the minimalist um, mm-hmm. approach. I think I, am part of the generation that grew up with smartphones taking high quality photos. We're the yeah. generation that grew up with Instagram, you know, and, and I think um, there is almost a stigma amongst photographers of being the iPhone photographer and, and not carrying around amazing gear. Um, but honestly, I think it, there's a beauty in the accessibility of iPhone and how far the iPhone has, has come um, for myself. Like, I, sometimes my favorite shots are the ones that um, I take with my iPhone and not necessarily the ones I take with my DSLR. Um, and so I, I made it a point actually to submit, I think, only iPhone photos for the Adobe Lightroom uh, program. So all the photos that are on the Lightroom there um, are with an iPhone. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, think, I think there is also a duty um, to explore both. I think with um, taking photos with a DSLR, you have so much more control over the lighting, over just all as- aspects of photography there. And it's almost like being educated and, and learning about the process of what's going behind the camera. So I think yeah. if if you choose to, to go with the iPhone, it's it's totally fine and great, but also it's important to know what's actually going behind the camera mm-hmm. as a photographer. and. I think it's, yeah, it's a duty to be able to, to know. Yeah. To know yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's interesting. The use, the, the, the saying used to be, you, you have to understand light, of course. And I think it still is obviously, but you have to understand light, the properties of light in order to be able to manipulate it. You have in photography, you have to understand the rules in order to know when to break those rules, you know, or those suggestions like this, the rule of thirds and those sorts of things. But yeah. with, with the, all this newfangled stuff like computational photography and these iPhones and they're doing some magical things that weren't possible literally weren't possible, you know, just a couple of years ago in terms of taking, you know, and and what they're doing and giving photographers the ability to do things that, that, and, and share to audiences that weren't available to them in the past. So yeah, I'm curious, especially, I like to ask food photographer this uh, specifically because not because food photography is easy in any way, in in many ways, I'm sure it's harder than a lot of genres of photography, but you know, there's that, it's that thing that everybody does, right? Not everyone gets to hang around a model and take pictures and retouch it. Not everyone gets to go to Yosemite and do landscapes and all that, but everyone's eating for the most part. Right. So it's, it's ubiquitous. 
for sure everyone can take a picture of that that latte art and uh and yeah. snap on their phone in in portrait mode it's it doesn't take much but yeah i i i definitely think that um as a photographer as a food photographer um sometimes it's yeah it's 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 about experimenting as well um mm-hmm. i try to always push myself to edit in ways that i wouldn't normally um, just because I think sometimes I can get so pigeonholed into one style. So on, on days where I might have some extra time, I might try to edit a photo three very different ways. And, you know, I might go to sleep and come back and see, hey, I actually like this a little bit more than I liked it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's that's part of the creative process for myself um, yeah. when, when editing food photography. And when you're editing, how do, what, what's your flow with editing? Because there's, there's, you know, this, you know, I, I want to segue into the Adobe Rising Stars program, but this is the, this is the perfect preface to that. The, I don't know if there's an argument, but there's there's different ways to approach the Adobe ecosystem with Lightroom, you know, which is the cloud-based version, and you know, everything stored in the cloud, and you know, and all the power and some limitations that that brings. But, but for those people that feel like that's limiting, there's Lightroom Classic, which is the traditional version of Lightroom. It sits on the desktop and you manage your files locally, et cetera, et cetera. Where do you, which one are you using in, in your workflow and why? So I use, I use both, but um, I have been using Lightroom Mobile more often, um, unless I am dealing with like a client who has like a whole list of photos, then I might bust out the laptop and use mm-hmm. um, Lightroom on my, on my laptop. But for me, I think it just, it becomes something that I do at the end of the day, um, editing photos after work, after um, class. Uh, I talked to another um, another Adobe Rising Star, um, Rachel Hanna, I think, and she was mentioning in, in one of our Adobe social hours that she actually takes everything on her camera and then just plugs it straight into her phone and does all her amazing photos editing only on uh, Adobe Lightroom Mobile, which wow. I found super, super, yeah. Like she she sort of owned it and I was like, you know what? I respect you for that. And I am also, I also do a lot of my editing on my phone, but it's it's weird to talk about, I guess. But, you know, it's, yeah, it. it the program is great and it, it provides really, really good tools for really amazing edits. So, yeah, it's so interesting that that whole world of, and I've been hearing that a lot too. You know, a lot of photographers are, are mobile only, you know, whether it's the, the, the phone or a tablet, but that's the workflow completely eschewing the whole world of traditional computers, laptops and desktop computers. Um, and yeah. one, one of the things I'm curious what you think about this, uh, is, is color right? Or, or color consistency, color balance and all that. And here's where I'm going with this. You know, back in the day it was okay. You have to, you know, well, actually still not even back in the day in this day, you color calibrate your monitor to make sure that you're spot on. And then, you know, calibrate your printer and all that. The, when you look at it from the, the standpoint of mobile, you can't calibrate a phone. You can't calibrate a tablet. So I was thinking of it. Old me was thinking, like, okay, well, that's a non-starter because if you can't calibrate, then, you know, what the heck? You know, it's kind of a crapshoot. New me rethought about it, and there are bazillions of these phones on the planet, and many companies are are pursuing a mobile-first strategy, and everyone has a phone in their hand, and they spend an inordinate amount of time looking at that same screen, and all these screens arguably 
are within a margin of error the same. So by definition, if you're editing on a mobile device, it's already calibrated for all the people <laughs> that are going to be looking at that content, right? And how, do you, how do you follow that? Because I was, I was looking, uh, prior to this interview, I was looking at your Instagram channel, which I would encourage people to go check out. It's amazing. But I could see the professionalism and I could see a color consistency from top to bottom on your images. They're, they're all very intentionally, you could tell it's a, it's a Calvin Vu shot, right? Because the, the colors look like they're intentional. It's not just, there's no accidents on that page. So where do you fall on the whole color consistency and calibration and that whole argument? Yeah, I mean, I... I think I'm definitely part of the generation and, and the crowd that is more pro iPhone and pro mobile photography. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find myself, um, I guess, e- even with clients or even with restaurants that I might work with, honestly, they'll, they'll ask for a lot of their shots to be almost immediately delivered on, you know, to, to ask, like, how would this appear on a phone or how would this appear in a story. Um, so I think even with that in mind, like knowing that the final shot or the final deliverables are going to be viewed in this format and the majority of it is going to be viewed in this format. I think it sort of speaks to not worrying about the calibration process, even Mm -hmm. though I, I think part of me also understands the, the gripe of like, these are the traditional values of photography and (laughs) wanting to sort of like almost um, keep those pillars in place so that like, you know, the newer generations also understand these important aspects of photography that might get lost in the process. Um, Yeah. But I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm totally for it. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think before the, before the hate mail starts flowing, I'm I'm talking about one use case here, right? So if you're shooting and you know that you're, final product is destined to be viewed primarily on mobile and not exactly. printed, or you're not shooting for a client and it's going to be printed in a magazine or that color, like the color blue of your jean jacket needs to be represented exactly. Mm-hmm. That's something completely different. That requires a different set of tools than what we're talking about in terms of showing stuff to an audience that's already online and already using mobile devices, I think. So so hold your hate mail before. before. <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> thanks for clarifying. Before I, I get a slew of DMs who are like, <laughs> "What are you talking about? No color calorie. You're not a real photographer." You know. Uh, so let's segue, Calvin, into the Adobe Rising Stars program. And so, so tell me what the Adobe Rising Stars program is for those that don't know, and what does it mean to you as a as a rising star photographer. For sure. So Adobe Lightroom um, selected 10 very talented photographers from all over the world. And we had the chance to um, take over their huge Instagram platform and share five of our photos and a couple stories. Um, Each of us get an entire week to ourselves to share our work. And they also gave us the opportunity to meet each other through social hours. So I had the chance to meet some of the other photographers and some of the other people that Adobe worked with. Um, and just talk about their careers and their um, how they got started in photography. So that's the gist of the program. 
Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is great. Congratulations on, on being in there. It's yeah. And I'll, I'll obviously I'll link to the Adobe rising stars program in the body of the, the, uh, the show notes for this episode. So, and in the YouTube video notes, so if people want to go check it out for sure, I would encourage them. You're right. There's some talented people in there and I've been, been, uh, chatting with Adobe, you know, for a while about the, and different photographers that are part of that program. And yeah, it's across the board, just amazing, almost an intimidating level of talent in there. (laughs) You know, when I first got that email, I I had to ask um, Aaron, who you previously interviewed, to make sure that this wasn't a scam because I thought I was being pranked because I thought there was no way that I am on this list and someone must be pulling my leg. And she was like, no, this is this is legit. This is real. So, um, yeah, some of the work that they do is is incredible. And I'm super yeah, honored and it, it feels so surreal to be part of this group of photographers. That is great. That is great. Well, congratulations on, on being Thank selected. Uh, yeah. And again, I encourage people to go check out the Adobe rising stars program, as well as your, your Instagram profile. What, what's next for Calvin? What are you, what are you doing next? What's the, what's, what's, what's the road ahead for the remainder of 2021 look like for you? So, uh, just for me, I'm, I moved back to New York. I was in San Francisco for the last year and a half because of the pandemic. But yeah, I'll be out in New York finishing my grad school and hopefully finishing on time. It's been a long time in being in grad school. <laughs> and yeah. for photography, um, I'm working on a couple of um, projects, um, both personal and also with some clients. Um, but one of the one of the ones that I'm most passionate about is putting together a, a cookbook of some of my mom's um, recipes and some of the uh, the food that we grew up with yeah. um, and putting that together as a, like a cookbook to give to family members um, for Christmas. So that's, that's something like a small project on the side that I'm super excited to start and to, yeah, to take, to, to shoot and to write about. That, that is great. That's great. You know, you have to have some sort of musical accompaniment that goes along with that, with that book. So each dish has to, has a fa- to, you have to have a favorite selection of music that goes along with the dish to complement it, like wine, right? Yeah. You know, I might, um, I saw a restaurant do this recently where they had a QR code and it sort of queued up a playlist depending on what you're eating, what you're supposed to be listening to. So maybe oh, I'll cool. that idea and incorporate that. Yeah, do that for sure. You gotta, you have to cross the streams, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is great. Well, Calvin, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Where, where can people go? Um, You know, obviously Instagram or, you know, what, what is your Instagram uh, profile and are there any other locations where people should go to check out your work? Yeah. So my Instagram is the Calvin who, um, C-A-L-V-I-N-H-U. And I have a website under construction, like many of the artists out there who have yep. websites under construction. <laughs> so that I promise is coming soon. Um, but for now, I think Instagram is the main way that you can find me. Excellent. All right. Well, once again, congratulations on all that you do. And we'll leave it right there. Calvin Vu, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Great. Thanks so much. All right. You're welcome. Take care. This is Twitter. 
This episode was sponsored by MPB, the world's largest online platform for used photo and video kit. Visit mpb.com.